Hello, listeners. This episode not only features great music and a great guest, but also a wide variety of audio issues. From saws to cellular interference to Deb's mic not working, forcing she and I to share a mic for pretty much the last third. I tried to fix the most that I could in post, but there are still some ghosts in this house. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of this particular album. It's very, very important to me. I'm Joel Spence. And I'm Deborah Tarika. This is the podcast where we ask people we love to pick an album that is very, very important to them, and here they share their memories. Great, and not so great. And emotional connections. Great, and also not so great. And we all get to listen to it through their ears. <laughs> How's it going? Good, how are you? Good. We're so good at this now. <laughs> We've mastered pleasantries. Yeah. I don't want to talk to you. I want to get right into things today. <laughs> rude. Is um, that rude? Do you want an apology? No. No, I don't. I don't. Everything's fine. <laughs> Nothing matters. Um, so uh, let's get right into uh, this particular song is important to me. Very, uh, very important very, to me. Very, very important to me. Uh, as I start to load up yours. Which one was yours? It's called um, Galileo. Oh, okay. And it's a song by the Indigo Girls. Oh. I'm going to intro this right now by saying Indigo Girls are probably my all-time favorite band. Um I've seen them in concert more times than I can count since they were my first, my first concert was Bette Midler, which is important to talk about. Very, very important. But very, very important. But my first concert that I chose to go to was Indigo Girls, and I've been going to see them ever since. And our guest, who we're going to introduce in a minute, but not right now spoiler alert <laughs> her name is lennon um we we have found that we have a love for indigo girls yes. together and it must have started around the same time in our lives yes i think right? so lennon and i went on don't get me started with danielle schneider to talk about indigo right. girls which is one of the reasons why we didn't pick an indigo girls album right where we didn't you gave that us that as one of the options but i thought i cheated in by you picking an indigo girls song <laughs> um and then we still get to have the album that you picked yeah and also, uh, once again, to mention Don't Get Me Started was the inspiration for this entire podcast. Yeah, was it? Yeah. Because yeah. I went I'm on. sad and, that's over. Yeah. 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 Um, there's what, lots of episodes to listen <laughs> I to. I know. I still have more it. that I haven't yeah. listened to. Yeah. My first introduction was at summer camp, and it was off of, this is from the album Rites of Passage. This is the song Galileo. Galileo's head was on the block. Crime was looking up the truth. My counselors played me this in Romeo and Juliet and probably the rest mm -hmm. of the album, but it was early 90s. It was like 12, okay. some, somewhere what, around there. Like sixth grade? Six, sixth grade, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I met them when I was in the seventh grade, Yeah, but it was 1987, maybe? Or, se or met, eight? met them, met them? No, met oh. them soulfully. I've never met them. If I did, I would crumple into I a million them emotional pieces. I waited in line in Tower Records to have them sign... Uh -uh. Something. I couldn't handle it. Maybe I was even a little bit young. Maybe it was a, around fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade, because I went to summer camp young, and this was like warmth to me. Like this, yeah. just like it spoke to me instantly. Len and I have been to mo many concerts now together. Yeah, four or five, yeah. I think. And it's the best. The best. It's kind of when we see each other, and I love it. Uh -huh. I feel, it makes me feel extra bonded when I listen yeah. to them and I see you. It's yeah. it's such a strong connection. Mm -hmm. There's a big group, but we are always there. Yeah. Always side by side <laughs> yeah. and always singing at the top of our lungs. Yeah. How long till my soul gets it right? Can any human being ever reach that kind of light? Call on the resting soul of Galileo, Kim Knight, 
So this was you, you the counselors at the camp played yeah. this. Yeah. This particular album or this particular album, these this particular song, and then they also do a dire straits cover of Romeo and Juliet, mm. which is in my opinion leagues better um, than the original. I like the original yeah. very, very much, but just Well, the, just Amy does the cover. Oh yeah, that's true. I prefer uh, Shakespeare's, uh, but um, are we including that in this, or is it? Yeah, sure. Okay. I still pick the song. Okay. I pick this cover. What about Baz Luhrmann? <laughs> okay, sorry. Baz Luhrmann, <laughs> then Indigo Girls. My older brother and older sister both went to the sleepaway camp, um, and so I always I wanted to do whatever they did. So I went at the youngest I could go. I started going, and I went for a month at a time every summer. I took a couple summers off, but basically my whole childhood mm-hmm. into teenage years, I went off. And was it a long, like you were there how long? I was there like three weeks, three or four mm-hmm. weeks each summer, and, um, and I loved it. I loved it, and I also have like weird memories of like, people didn't like me, I was yeah. weird. <laughs> but <laughs> overall, like, there was a lot, it was a Jewish camp, so it was like, it's just a lot of like, singing, and um, you know, that's what Jews do, we sing. <laughs> A lot of singing. It was like Christians do that too. Yeah, yeah, I've heard lots that. Lots of singing on a porch. <laughs> lots of like hand motions with the songs. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Mm-hmm, lots Christ- of feeling deeply. Yeah, I went yeah. to a Christian camp. Did for, you? Yeah, I think I was mesmerized by the guitars that they were playing. Yeah, more so than the actual message. There's always one cool counselor who can yeah. play guitar. Yeah, and they were all. This was like in the just them. outside of Texas, in the middle of the hill country, and all of the counselors were Canadian. So there was this extra kind of exotic wow weirdness. That is, it. and I bet it when you're younger too, it's just like oh Canada. Yeah, I don't know. I'm from <laughs> LA. That's that's exotic. <laughs> really hard for me to pick a favorite, um, but this one it's one of the first ones that was introduced to me, and it's perfect. So many of their songs to me are perfect, but this is like so you can sing along at the top of your lungs. I I'm bad at harmony. I'm not great at singing. I can harmonize with this song, but it's been with me from the very very beginning because. Rites of Passage was my first album that was introduced to me, Out of Order. It still is one of my favorites. It's, it, they're so, I love them so, I love them so much. Mine is, I just made a last minute switch uh, just to keep with this theme, but, uh, or sort of country folk theme. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, like it. Y'all ever heard of a band called... Indigo Girls? <laughs> <laughs> BR549. No. No. Okay. So I think they're out of... Canada? Nashville. <laughs> um, and like a drug sort of a, or like a... It does, doesn't yeah. it? They're out of Nashville, I believe, and they are this sort of rockabilly country band. And I think they a lot of the members would play in studio sessions. But the name comes from, I think it's the... I'll just play the song first. It's a cover of Hickory Wind. In South Carolina There are many tall pines. I remember. BR549 is the phone number in Hee Haw. 
Do you remember the show Hee Haw? <laughs> yeah, I think they would have an operator that yeah. would say BR4549. Uh, so they play a lot of... This album is hard to find. Um, it's. I think it's It's in the sense that it's not on iTunes, but I had to order the CD from Amazon. Oh, yeah. Um, Def Leppard is the same way, guys. <laughs> Just FYI. <laughs> That's amazing. That's uh, a good company right there. Um but I, they were sort of this hip band in the 90s that were sort of retro, like being cool and country at the same time uh, and touring. And they came to Minneapolis where I was living at the same time. And we felt like me and my friends thought that this was our band for a little bit. And they had such a great, fun show. And it was great seeing young people play this kind of music and love it and love it at the same time yeah. as opposed to being sort of cynical about it or making fun of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never forgot about this song. Most everything without the riches and pleasures, what else could life bring? But it makes me feel better. I talked about this before when I played the Alabama song a few episodes ago, but um, which Alabama song did you play? Mountain music. Oh, <laughs> and it was such a. I felt at that point when that song came out, it was like a transition from me being okay, country isn't cool anymore, yeah, and breaking away and finding my own music, and always in the back of my hand, having in the head, having a, an affinity for that. I grew up in San Antonio, so that mm-hmm. was just country music was just everywhere. Yeah. Well, it's a hard place to find out That trouble is real In a farm I always remember, like, I, I liked country music I, I i there was country music that i loved but uh, it was so not being played on the radio it was like a different it became country became a little bit more pop this made it even more big for me when br549 came out uh because it was like oh yeah there there are it is cool it is cool it is cool as if i needed that cover <laughs> <laughs> every time it
our guest today is an actor and writer from Georgia originally. Yeah. 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 And based in Los Angeles, she was the co-creator and star with Jessica St. Clair of Playing House on the USA Network. She also played Larissa on the Netflix series Lady Dynamite. That's right. And the pod, you can listen to her on the podcast, uh, Womp It Up on the <laughs> Earwolf uh, Network. Yep. Uh, Lennon Parm, thank you so much for joining oh, us. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm very excited <laughs> about this. So will, will you introduce yeah. the album for us? Yeah, Tell sure. Us. What is this particular album that is very, very important to you, Lennon? Why? It is called uh, Forget About It, and it's uh, by Alison Krauss. I think it's a nice segue from what you were talking about, Joel, because as I get even more and more Southern over this podcast until you can't even understand me anymore. Where did that uh, hay come from? Because I'm hanging out of your mouth. You weren't wearing a hat when you came be our fat born I grew up in uh, sort of suburban Atlanta. My parents are from rural Alabama. And so I had access to growing up a lot of country music. Um, and I hated it. Yeah. I hated it. I did not want to listen to it. I didn't want to hear it playing out of a dirty pickup. <laughs> you know. Love's taking you far away from my heart. I've been here all Why do you think you hated it? I think it was, I felt very other- where I grew up and I felt like I knew I was weird I knew I was a real weirdo and mm -hmm. I loved a lot of the people around me but I just felt like I kept trying I'll give you an example <laughs> in high school I wanted to participate in all of the activities so I joined the junior prom committee and I pitched the moody blues <laughs> I will always love you that song that's like super epic and I was like I can picture the theme but it's way intense for a junior in high school yeah. and why did I know that song yeah. and they were like um, we're gonna do whenever there's a night from Dream a Little Dream the movie it was like on the okay. soundtrack yeah. which was all the rage then I always like overshot the mark even though I was really desperate to be liked but I just knew that I was not for this world, kind of, yeah. you know, and I needed to go somewhere else to just find my people. Mm. And I would find little weirdos, you know, like I had, I obviously had amazing friends, and my parents were really encouraging of whatever it was that was giving me That's joy. Lucky, so, yeah. and thus I did, like, like for prom, I asked four dudes to go with me. Mm. They all said no. Like that's where we were, and yeah. I was like, "Okay, all right." <laughs> and I ended up going with a good friend, and we had a great time, which was probably way easier anyway yeah. than me worrying all night about, you know, yeah. what so and so thought about me. I think I skipped. I skipped right to the good, the good friend, or the the tangential yeah, friend. Too. I don't yeah. think I didn't ask anyone good. or wait to be asked because it was. I, I think each I, I went to a few proms and it was always with friends because it a date was impossible. That's not yeah. wasn't gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. my the, the one I wanted to go to, she was with somebody else, so I it was sort of me and my bestie. Yeah, yeah. good, good for y'all. My dad plays bluegrass music mm -hmm. and um, kind mm -hmm. of 
I had always played the guitar and would play at when we would go on campouts or whatever. Then he got really into bluegrass music uh, later in my life, and he had been a drummer growing up, and um, that led me to play the drums. That's but, cool. But um, yeah, so he ha- he started learning bluegrass, and bluegrass people love to jam, mm. so they will they'll they'll get together on a Saturday and just all day long play bluegrass music. And so the more instruments you know how to play, the better. He would learn all the music and um and go and and jam and so i would start going with him i know i had like my dad had an allison krauss greatest hits uh cassette that i liked um that where she sang uh, I, a cover of I Will, which I actually sing to my uh, daughter every night oh. when I took her I Will, in. the Beatles? Yeah, the Beatles That's, song. Um, mm-hmm. I sang that to my dog. Yay! <laughs> That's a weird confession to do here. That's when we first got her, she was so scared and shaky, oh. so I would just sit in, in a little room with her at our house and just sing that to her. I don't yeah. think it soothed her, but I was like, I'm doing a good it's job. Su- yeah, it did. It totally did. I buy that. But when this album came out, it was for me post college. I had just um, I had signed up to do a thing called Teach for America, mm-hmm. and I was in rural Mississippi. And again, it was sort of like I had like a a love hate thing going on with the South. So yeah. I had been in a college, which was still kind of in the South, Southern Indiana, but technically not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was tr- I was trying really hard to get into. A- a grad school uh, for theater performance and um, I saw this I saw like a little blurb for Teach for America in a Mary Claire magazine because I had always thought maybe I'll do Peace Corps or something like that and so I applied it all came to a head at the sort of at the same time we were all getting up like accepted into these grad school yeah. programs and I didn't get into a place that I was super like like Yale or something yeah, like one right. of the big ones it's cause I'm trying to reconcile Cause after all I see you sometime Maybe when I can't recall How you drove me crazy Forget about those started nights Laid by the fireside But I, um, but I did like get into Teach for America and they wanted me to teach high school French because I had minored in that in rural Mississippi. And I was like, the deep south, like, uh, do I want to go back Mm -hmm. deep, deep, deep into the south? Um, And I didn't, like I didn't think I wanted to, (laughs) but then they sent me this welcome packet that had like letters from the kids and a VHS tape with a Nancy Griffith song playing. (sighs) listen to the radio and they and just literally video of like them driving down highway one like past all the cotton fields and then videos of the kids like doing wow they were laying it on thick smart (laughs) and uh i just i fell in love with yeah with it with the idea of it 
this album came out when I was there, and it is this. It's one of the saddest albums. <laughs> it is very sad. It's super duper sad. Um, very ethereal. Like hmm. there's a re- it sets a real mood. The whole album sets this tone of like longing mm-hmm. and unrequited love. Tapped in for me to a time of in between. Yeah. Were you with somebody at the time, or were you single? I was. I was not, but I was like preparing for that. Like I yeah. wanted that. Yeah. 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 But I knew ultimately that I was going to move to either New York or L.A. and pursue this because that was like definitely happening. Yeah. But that I just needed some in-between time to do some real growing up. And I and in this two years, I did some real growing up. Like yeah. it was the hardest thing I had ever done teaching high school to a bunch of kids that had no expectations put on them. Yeah. No one was no one was asking anything of them. Yeah. There was a lot of well, you'll just go on to do this or that. And yeah. and I was hopefully changing that and yeah. opening that. And um, and I still keep in touch with a lot of my kids, um, yeah, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was 22. Yeah. So they were not much younger than me, really. Yeah. And I kept joking that I was 83, and they'd be like, aha, you're 38. <laughs> <laughs> You tricking us. They called, they called me Miss P because I was like, at the time I was like, Miss P, like Master P. Yeah. Uh. That was the joke. Because my all my students were African-American except for like there were three white students, two of which were Russian exchange students, which wow. was bizarre. And then... Uh, Who the, wanted to learn French? Were well, you teaching French or you were teaching... Yeah, I was teaching French, but I mean, it was just, they got programmed yeah. into the class. Yeah. So it was French... Um, Yeah, high school French, levels one, two, and three. Wow. And I also uh, directed the high school's first musical and play. And that was amazing. And I don't know, those kids were amazing. Mm. So these songs are a lot about like a woman (laughs) wanting uh, something that she can't have and Mm -hmm. um, someone who doesn't love her. And it was during this time, full circle, that I fell in love with country music again. Because, or I guess for the first time. Yeah. Because all the radio stations were country music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there wasn't any other option. Mm -hmm. Like literally no Pandora. Yeah, Yeah, right. It It was what I had on my not even an iPod by that time yeah it was what I had in my CD collection mm-hmm. or cassette collection yeah and you don't bring you don't bring everything with you to something like this did you I don't I think I had like one box of yeah. cassettes you know one of those cassette carrier yeah. things by whatever case not logic. disc logic yeah case logic case I was logic. gonna say disc logic <laughs> um and a, some of them were like mixtapes so I could have the greatest hits of things yeah. um and then started to get CDs and we would go do karaoke every Friday night at the How Joy, which was a Chinese restaurant that had a lounge attached to it that did karaoke. Mm-hmm. And there were regulars. There was a guy named Hawk that didn't have any teeth, and he would always sing uh, a white sport coat and a pink carnation. <laughs> um, 
Or he would he would sing, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe I didn't love, love you. <laughs> oh my god! You were always on my mind. Yeah, it was <laughs> the sweetest thing. And I did start dating a gentleman there who had a like a deep Garth Brooks country voice, mm. and I really wanted him to become a country star. <laughs> um, was he also a teacher at the school? Or? He wasn't. No, I met him doing community theater, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah. What town was this again? Greenville, Mississippi. Greenville. Okay. Yeah. And I was, free, you know, I had other teacher friends. Yeah. Um, and then friends from the community theater. But it was like, I didn't have a lot of, that was it. There yeah. was nobody else there. Yeah. You know, I wasn't hanging out with my kids, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, you're in the trenches with people. So you, yeah. that's who you spend time with. You're alone yeah. a lot. I was, you know, doing a lot of, a lot of figuring out like mm. how to be happy. Mm. What did I need to be happy? Yeah. So um, that's a big two years. Like that's a really significant time. Yeah. Yeah. Before um, this gentleman who was the country music singer, I I tried to like find other. Like in the summer, I would go back to Atlanta and be like, "You, you're gonna be my forever person. You, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna be my forever person." And then it wouldn't work out. And of course, I would be like, "This is over. Everything's over." But it was like a just a time of like really big feelings and oh yeah, yeah. like everything is so important. If you did go to college, either way, like post high school or post college, where like. Uh, ideally like endless possibilities maybe that's like very yes. privileged of me to say because a lot of people I guess don't have that option of like well yeah. what do I want to do I want to be an actor I want right. to be a writer I want to be this but like it is a very it's so confusing and it's also I didn't come out of college or high school with like a partner or anything where mm -hmm. so it was it's so many big looming question marks there yeah where you're just trying to figure it out of what would make you happy. Yeah. Yeah. And all your, the adults are looking going, well, you obviously have made a decision about the rest of your life, right? Right. And you're like, no, I have not. You <laughs> know, I find or, myself asking ki kids yeah. now, like, what are you going to major? You know, like all yeah, those questions yeah, where I'm like, but I try and play it cool where I'm like, uh, you don't have to think about who cares, but I'm, I don't know what else to say to them. So yeah. I realize that's why people say it to me. Our point of, from my point of view, I do the same thing because I'm just kind of curious about what if there is anything. Yeah. And then I immediately retreat and go, yeah. no big deal, no big deal. Yeah. You don't need to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Take a year off, you know. I remember I went, I was really, I always looked younger than I was. So, and I look at pictures of me when I was teaching and I was like, what, <laughs> what is happening? I look like a baby. It's yeah. crazy. And I know, I mean, I remember visiting my family and we went to IHOP or something after church one Sunday um, in between. And they gave me a, ch some hostess gave me a children's menu. <laughs> And I got, it upset me so uh, deeply. Of course, yeah. Because I was like, I have a car! Yeah, you know, like yeah. I was so... You're an adult now. You're, you've got all this new stuff yeah. floating around in your head. And then someone says, you're a little girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like literally a 12 or under. <laughs> oh my God. Do you want a smiley face made out of chocolate chips? I mean, yes, I do. But I yeah, want no, it exactly. as an adult. Well, give me it back. What's on it? What's Is your boysenberry <laughs> trip? Yeah. Syrup. <laughs> Are you leaving? 
I only knew one Alison Krauss song going into it, which was uh, Nothing at All, which yeah. I guess every is the mm-hmm. most popular one. Yeah. But I know it from, the, I think it was on the Notting Hill soundtrack. It was, yeah. <laughs> so that's how I know it. And yes. I, like, I had that song. Yeah. Um, that was my only exposure. But I'm surprised because she seems like somebody that I should have known based on like the music that I listened to, like Patty Griffin, Indigo Girls, and right. stuff like that, or at least music I listened to growing up. Well, this is really one of her only, I mean, this sort of skews like almost pop. Yeah. Like it's not, I mean, sad pop, but um, most of her albums are straight bluegrass. Mm. Yeah. Um, which I also have a lot of and also really like. Um, but but this one this takes a, radio friendly. a turn. Yeah. 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 I don't think I've ever heard it on the radio. Yeah. 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 Um, but she's very popular. <laughs> Yeah, yes. for me not having heard anything yes. like that makes me feel like I'm the unusual one. Yes, and I, it, me too. Like I, in when I doing immediately, I did some research and I told Deborah this, but there's one person that has won more Grammys than her, and oh, he's wow. a conductor and he's long dead. Um, <laughs> but she's tied <laughs> with Quincy Jones. <laughs> wow, like Quincy, she and Quincy Jones, yeah, the, uh, which is and she's probably going to win another Grammy for this new album she's got oh, that's that right? come out. That's like yeah, it's sort of like classics. Oh, oh that's cool. Wow. Her voice, it, well, first of all, I can sing it. Like, I can yeah, sing along, yeah. like, Wail in the yes. Car, which makes me really happy, um, along with some of her other hits. Uh, but her voice, it's like it hits. It's, you know, when you f- can feel this, feel it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, if, it feels like it's red, like, or like if there's a note um, that that a guitar hits or a piano hits and it feels like your body is resonating yes, with it, yeah. shaking almost, vibrating. Yes. Or like, this is a weird tangent, but in a snare drum, <laughs> there's like a series of tones that if you hit them, the snares will shiver. Okay. Wow. The, the That's what her, her music voice, makes yeah. my body makes your feel like. Shiver. It, gets in, it gets under your skin. It gets yeah, inside yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. I do like the belting it out in a car and having it like inside mm-hmm. like just feeling yeah. underwater with that music yeah so what were your sort of living conditions like in this town like did you have i lived in a sweet little house nice. i think our rent was l- like nothing a month for a three-bedroom house I lived with two other teachers who were also under the the program of- yeah mm-hmm one taught at an elementary school, uh, Judy, and uh, and Andy uh, taught, I think, at the other high school. There were two public high schools, and I taught at one called TL TL Weston. And any any time I would tell people that, they'd be like, "Oh no!" <laughs> like <laughs> it was like not. It was a notoriously bad neighborhood, yeah. bad high school. Um, and I slowly, of course, fell in love with all of my kids. Yeah. Um, some of them, like, still, I can remember, like, there was a girl named Lasagna that was, that, like, broke my heart. Like, she, uh, I took her to fill out a job application. You know, it was that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was also one guy named Theodric Scott, and he's passed away. 
which is when I found that out, I like it was was really sad. Um, But they also called him Naughty Rock, which is the best. (laughs) And he was just pure joy, like total joyful, uh, big guy, big guy. And he knew he would, he loved to fuck with me. And he would be like, so he, okay, so there was one day we were doing presentations and there was a girl giving a presentation and um, uh, he was what they call sucking, sucking his teeth at her, which was like, like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, like I like what I see. And I was like, I was like, Theodric, stop that right now. And he wouldn't stop. And I had a couple things that I could do to like, you know, but but I got so frustrated with him. I was like, get out. And my classroom was in a double wide trailer. I had one half of it. The other half I shared with a woman named Miss Dean who taught health but smoked uh, <laughs> nonstop. And um, so I had to have a towel at the bottom of the door. She was oh. also amazing. And everybody was full heart, amazing people. Um, anyway, Theodric was like, ah, oh, Miss P. And he went outside and because it was a double wide trailer it was up on some stairs you know it was hoisted up on these pallets kind of and so she's continuing to give her presentation and he starts jumping up outside and you can see like his head like peering over the window and he starts to shout like Miss P you're prejudiced against men and I was like oh my god that was I was like it's called sexist <laughs> and I ended up having to send him to whatever, give him a referral, as they called it. Yeah. But I was also like, I got really close with a gentleman who was the security guard. Uh, his name was Major. His first name was Major. Hmm. Major Norman. His son <laughs> was in my class. And he was very protective of me and really, uh, really sweet. He came with us. I took um, my French class, that the kids that, that um, could go, and we did like a big fundraiser to this French festival in Louisiana because they speak French. If you go far enough south, they speak French. Yeah. So it was called the Louisiana Festival, and um, there were music acts like Angelique Kijo and all these Zydeco bands oh, and everything. I love that stuff. And most of the time, we would just go to like Jackson, and I could get them to go with me as long as I guaranteed a mall trip. (laughs) So we would go like see Tartuffe or something, but then two hours at the mall. So that, but this was like a whole long, like long weekend trip. Yeah. And, um, and major Norman and I were the chaperones. I had a couple other, uh, chaperones as well. Um, Kim and Brian, who were other teachers who are still good friends of mine. And, uh, Vernon, uh, was one of my kids and he decided he he was one of the fastest kids on the track team and he decided he was gonna do a game where he would play um what's it called uh i guess chicken he would play like chicken with the door does that make sense he would open the door and run and try to see if he could get out before the door shut okay we'll call it chicken okay it's called chicken so he would do that he did he decided he was going to do that so i get a knock on my door vernon had slammed like 
full speed into the edge of the door frame and cut a giant uh like slice it out of his forehead oh my god <laughs> so so major norman and i take vernon to like the local er in lafayette louisiana they did not know what to do with us it was it was amazing uh they were trying really trying to figure out like what was this like 12 year old white woman doing as a as a guardian to yeah, let's yeah. get you over to daycare over here <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it was it was hard. It was the hardest two years of my life, and also one of the richest times. Um, did you ever feel you got a handle on it as a teacher? Like, you, you, did you get into a groove? I or? think so. Yeah, second year for sure. Yeah. I mean, they'd say your first year teacher, it's like, oh, oh, you're drowning. You're yeah. totally drowning. I didn't have any education experience. I had taught like swim lessons, and I had taught. Uh, dance class in my college town and I had taught before but and I felt like I was a kind of a natural teacher but um, there is nothing that prepares you for standing in front of you know 30 18 year olds it just they do not want to learn French no they don't give a shit about French like there's you can't even argue against it (laughs) there's no practical application (laughs) absolutely none no not for them in their lives most of them if we could take a you know, French learning French was sort of, um, you know, a bonus. Yeah, I was trying to give them <laughs> sort of like organizational skills, responsibility mm. skills, like just taking, you know, holding them accountable for some stuff, have mm. asking them to show up on time, and yeah, you know, uh, say do what they said they were going to do, and that kind of stuff. And and some of the kids like were extremely gifted, took right to it, you know. So when it was time to leave, were you like, bye? Or, I mean, was it a painful thing? Did you think about staying and go? I didn't think about staying. I knew I, I knew it was a temporary thing. Um, I did, I was trying, I decided how to decide between LA and New York where I wanted to go. I still am connected with a lot of the people that, like, um, I did community theater there, and they actually had this amazing little community theater, um, Delta Center Stage, it's still called. Um, they're renovating the theater space now. Uh, give money if you want to help, <laughs> help them uh, make this place. Anyway, I did multiple musicals. We did one called Smoke on the Mountain, which is actually about a gospel, like a backwoods gospel family that tours around. Um, and we did Narnia with like 80 kids in it, which was amazing. Um, and I also did uh, a little play that went on to, to like regional festivals. Uh, it was like, I mean, little by little, I mean, there were only two of us in it. Um, yeah. Once I signed up to do community theater. Yeah. And I had like something for myself outside of school that made me feel like an adult woman. Yeah. That made me feel like a whole human. Yeah. Yeah. That I wasn't just being driven by grades and, you know, showing up at eight. I mean, I used yeah. to, yeah. Like, I, you, teachers party really hard. I don't know if you know this. But I didn't know. <laughs> I'm also it. married to an educator. And mm-hmm. um, uh, 
like there is you really need to cut loose yeah, yeah. you know what i mean mm-hmm. you have to like let let off steam so those karaoke sessions on friday night <laughs> were no epic. joke <laughs> yeah so fun. epic epic what was your song or song does um i think i was finding my my uh, <laughs> another, karaoke voice i have journey. like a thousand songs now but <laughs> at the time like it, i was still nerve-wracked to get up to sing you know um like now it's fancy by reba mcintyre along with a cadre of others of other songs song. but i would sing a, i would sing hit me with your best shot pat benatar nice. and i would sing some dixie chick songs mm-hmm. you know know your audience yes um so yeah. did you um, dive deep into country then? Like, uh, did you like, all right, I'm back in, or I'm I'm now into country music? Yeah, uh, there's, I mean, I think those two years that I was there, whatever country songs came out those two years, like, I know them. Yeah, yeah. I have them memorized, probably. Yeah. I really got into Garth Brooks a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I moved to New York, like, I would seek out, like, I got, a lot of songs from the, that came out then like I would go and add them to my collection and listen to them and feel nostalgic about that time who would sell their soul for love or waste one tear on compromise should be easy enough were you at a place that you were like alright this is to hell with grad school after that like, yeah yeah is that right? You just decided? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I Here's the thing. I was I wanted to go to Yale so I could be like a dramatic actress, which is not at all the path that I was supposed to go on, right? What I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be now, doing comedy, writing comedy. In Joel Spence's apartment. That's right. <laughs> this, this is where I'm supposed to be, guys, right <laughs> here. Um, next to all this great mid-century modern furniture. <laughs> um yeah, the thing that it did for me was really make me fearless. And then, I mean, when I got to New York, I like did not give a fuck. Excuse my French. You can curse, and but I love that. That what French. a cool transformative experience to just be able to go like, I don't care. I mean, literally, I moved into an apartment, like a walk-up apartment with my with my one of my best friends Michelle, lived in Brooklyn. I didn't know like it was there was a white castle like I didn't uh, it was before Brooklyn was cool you know um, there was not faith but I just like was taking risk after risk and just going for it I mean I would I know this doesn't sound like that badass of a move but like I just I got to New York I called the people that I knew I started hanging out with them I opened a backstage I would go audition for Here We Are Again Shakespeare which I don't ne- I'm not supposed to be doing Shakespeare like, I, sure, I've done it in the past, but, like, that's not where my gifts lie. So, um, but I would just walk in. I'd be like, yeah, I got a classical monologue. Here you go. What? You know, and then out. And I just started, like, doing, you know. And then um, I started taking class at Second City because my friend Jack McBrayer, I had gone to college with him. He was like, you need to do this. He did Second City in Chicago. So I was like, that sounds good. I got, I'm supposed to do comedy, I think, you know. So I started taking class at Second City, which led me to... UCB Upright Citizens Brigade got on a team there like it just made me like nothing could be harder than (laughs) nothing could be harder than that I mean it just was it was still feel that way like is that do you look back as that was the hardest thing you've ever done um no I mean 
It was up until that point the hardest thing that I had ever gone through, yeah. for sure. What this life is made of. Can you listen to this album without thinking about that time? I don't think so. Yeah. And do you do you listen to this album? I do. Yeah. I do when I'm sometimes you like I feel like you got something stuck and it needs to come out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you feel like, holy shit, I'm sad today. Or I'll listen to it like on an airplane. It's like the perfect album to listen to at the beginning of a flight. <laughs> That's I put on Patty Griffin Living with Ghosts and I just play it. Yeah, it's like, it just it, cal- it makes calming. me very calm yeah. uh, and thoughtful. And it also sort of like gives me like a retrospective. Like I start thinking back. When I hear it, I, I actually picture my little house and the and the bathroom, the pink bathroom, and I think I am like cleaning the bathroom or something. You know what I mean? Like it was just something that I would listen to over and over again. Have you gone back to Mississippi since then? Yeah. What yeah. was that like? I took my husband when we were moving here. We did a road trip. And we stopped in Mississippi and stayed with one of our Delta Center stage friends and um, visited with some of the other people. And I took my husband to see the high school that I used to teach at, which is not, the, it's not a high school anymore, I think. It's like a middle school, maybe. Um, and showed him around. It's, uh, this is essentially where the blues began. This yeah. Greenville, Clarksdale is about an hour away. Um, that's where the Blues Museum is, um, and where you know Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil. It it's right on the river. There are there are a couple riverboat casinos. It's the biggest town. Like it's got a little mall. Not a not like a Jackson Mall. <laughs> um, it's about twenty minutes from the catfish capital of the world, so you can get great, amazing fresh. I mean, in fact, our cafeteria at TL Weston had catfish day, and people would come from the community to come and get like wow. a like a dollar plate of fried catfish, pan fried. I mean, amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, some of the best food I've ever eaten in my life. Um, some of the best blues music I've ever heard. Or all these, like, you know, cool blues festivals all over the, the area as well. Do you, um, did this also, along with country music, did it, uh, uh, reintroduce was just the South in general. Was it sort of yeah. back to your like I, like I like this again or or did yeah? You- it, it was sort of. I mean, I I was familiar with the Deep South because my parents grew up in the Deep South, and maybe for people that aren't from the South, you don't really know the difference between like growing up in suburban Atlanta to growing up in the Deep South. But there's a huge difference, and I feel like this. Like, Greenville was a pretty big town. Uh, it, it wasn't small town, but it would it's way smaller town than Atlanta or here, Los Angeles, obviously. Um, and, and everything moves real slow, and everybody knows everybody. And you get into a ritual or a habit, and, and people know, you know, 
But there's also like a really rich tradition, which I think uh, that you're seeing reintroduced in the South that's sort of like this, like a celebration of Southern culture. Uh, Like a lot of, a lot of chefs are like going away, getting like training and then coming back to the South and celebrating. Like you see that on Top Chef, you know, you, you see like Kevin from Atlanta going away you know and he's returned and he has amazing restaurants where they like you know deconstruct a pig or whatever you know (laughs) but it's very it's done sort of in great honor to tradition southern tradition so i i felt like it was a little bit of that for me you know what i mean um sort of way to honor my upbringing yeah and give back to the place that kind of created who i was I grew up in Texas, and when I moved to Minnesota and lived there for eight years, mm-hmm. I and I was pretty snobby towards Texas growing up in it. Um, yeah, I was. I felt like an, another as well, unfairly, completely unfairly. I was <laughs> snobby towards. And when I got to Minneapolis, I missed Texas so much. Aww. I wanted to, and it, I I don't know if it was. It was my heart was longing for it. It was just I started to think about it more. I started to love, remember what I what was so unique about the place. And it's a complicated state, I'm aware. <laughs> um, but I wanted to subscribe to Texas Monthly. I never would have when I was in Texas. But when yeah. I got to Minneapolis, it's also a great magazine. But it, it I wanted to keep it in my life. And yeah. ever since I've left, I. I enjoy, particularly San Antonio, I love going back to Texas yeah. and being there again and seeing everything and, and realizing what perhaps I didn't realize, uh, the uniqueness of that particular area. Yeah. I think the South is a, it might be in a lot of ways a great place to be an adult. I went to Austin recently and I had been there before for like a college tour with uh, UCB Turco, but I went as an adult like... We went um, to the television festival to meet um, to meet some fans and uh, screen our first episode of this of the third season. And it was the first time we were interacting with fans and people that had been supporting our show. It was so satisfying, but it was also awesome to be in a southern town, like as a sort of forty-one-year-old woman. Um, and our our the guy who picked us up from the airport, we requested to have him again to drive us back to the airport because he was just a real g- gentleman. And so he picked us up, and I was like, Jonathan, I was like, we got to get some tacos before we leave. And he was like. He's like, oh, we're going to Torchies. And I was like, great. So we pull up in like this huge Escalade. We jump, we get out of it. We're head to like full hair and makeup. Like <laughs> I'm in a black jumpsuit. Um, and we walk in and these, it was also biker week. Like, oh, the, yeah. so there were these two bikers um, that looked like Vikings <laughs> out front. And they gave us a real head to toe look. And I, as a, as an 18 and under person who looked like I was 11 you know never experienced southern 
attention from a man Uh-oh. in like a real way because you know that would have been inappropriate <laughs> oh um, that happens down there too yeah <laughs> so so we were ch- we were like had just ordered and these guys came out came inside the restaurant to go past us and they they walk right past us and one of them turned around and he had a full red beard I mean he looked like Eric Devike he turned around and he just was like you ladies are looking beautiful today <laughs> and I felt like I was gonna melt into a pat of butter like I honestly was like whoa you know what I mean yeah. so and it was fantastic until that server at Torchies gave you a fucking children's <laughs> mitt and some, and some crayons Actually, our the guy that brought the food was a fan of playing house, oh, which was great. crazy. <laughs> it was amazing to find out that someone like you know who you don't think is at all your no- demographic is like knows who you, like he was like a little bit shaking, like he was like, I, you know, you guys have, you have the you're the show on USA, right? And I was like, oh my god, how do you know about our show? Comes on after Raw or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Do you have um, a favorite song on this particular album um, that that really speaks to you? In listening to it, I think I decided that uh, could you lie lie a little? Yeah, that's my favorite. I think because it's the most heartbreaking yeah. one on the album to me. Yeah, I. That's not. I mean, I don't know why that would be my favorite if it makes <laughs> me the saddest. But I think the album for me kind of comes as a whole yeah, it's like a i don't listen album. yeah i don't uh-huh. really listen to it individual but um stay forget about it and then ghost in this house is a real so doozy yeah. yeah it's it's a lot of like it's the lyrics are also very like smart they're sort of like you know don't worry about it no big deal it just was our entire life or whatever <laughs> you know so ghost in this house i think is is probably the one that I come back to because of the there's like a couple refrains where she like holds here we go you can listen so sad there you go there's that vibration yeah my snares are vibrating (laughs) (laughs) I can smell them. I'm just a ghost in this I really like in each of these songs where it's like each of the chorus is like everyone joins in and then the rest is hers. Yeah. It feels I guess that might be a very country thing where it feels like that to me. It's it's very I don't know, it's a very really specific thing about this album that spoke to me. That's a ble- cool. yeah, I think it's I mean, there, that is partly a bluegrass thing. Like each, a lot of times, especially in a jam situation, they'll trade off. So it'll be like a jazz thing. So it'll be like, it's Joel's turn to sing now. And then we'll all come together on the chorus and there's real specific harmonies and the way the harmonies laid out, it's always the same way. And if you know how to sing multiple parts of harmony as well, you're more valuable in the bluegrass community. Um, and then it sort of, 
then it would be your turn to sing the next verse, you know, um, or whatever verse it is that you know. So the more songs, the more bluegrass songs you know, the better, the more, you know, the longer you can play. I always get a kick of watching a bluegrass band. Um, There's like... There's understood choreography about how to maneuver yourself to be the one who to be in front of the mic and then to kind of back yeah, up yeah. and then let somebody else go. They it's like to a T that nobody ever hits each other. They're like tilting guitars and banjos back and forth and and yeah I, yeah. I uh, this was the I was uh, not to get too personal here, but um, I was uh, listening to this album today on as I was uh, decided to tackle a closet. <laughs> and uh, and there, it was just you know stuff from a previous like a hard breakup relationship, yeah. Like which is exactly what this song is about, and it was tough. It was yeah. a tough, yeah. Uh, that's maybe perhaps why I went to go run. Uh, <laughs> but it was like these songs, country and western. They're just so good at being di- lyrically di- direct. Yeah. There's there's not a lot of. I mean, it's a ghost, but there's not a lot of like. <laughs> metaphors and mystery that you're trying to uh, mm-hmm. uh, figure out. Uh, this is similar to, we did uh, Missy Elliott yesterday, like mm-hmm. is also like, right, here's what we're talking about. Yeah. And it's for for me, whose tendency learn, leans towards Radiohead, where you can't understand anything, what they're saying. There's just mm. so much layers. It's It can surprise you and hit you when yeah. it's just actually... R- writing what you're thinking uh, at the time mm-hmm. yeah it's storytelling I mean that country music like that's it country. Yeah. there was a woman and I can't remember her name but I remember her voice she sang every Friday night and it was like clear that she had a really hard life but this is where like she had a heartbreakingly beautiful voice and she sang um, this beautiful Martina McBride song called Broken Wing which is about basically a girl who's in an abusive relationship as a lot of country music songs are about um and she uh she's been told by her husband that she's not really worth anything and then one day she just like flies away and the and it's like the cor- the the last verse is like the wi- the drapes are open he goes upstairs like he's like where have you been you know and he goes upstairs and she's just gone and the windows are open and it's called um and with a broken wing, she still sings. She keeps an eye on the sky. It's oh anyway. <laughs> so this woman singing this song in the Howjoy restaurant. Um, I don't know. It's just there's a there's a there's a real authentic connection to life that I appreciate. Yeah. Crime was looking up the truth, and as the We've come towards to the end, not towards the end. We've come to the end, um, and so it's time for um, I would say my second favorite segment, which is what have we learned today? Could be my first favorite. I can't decide. It's like picking between children. Um, so I don't know. I mean, uh, so we want to just talk about what what we learned. If you learned anything today, so you can think about it for a second. But mm-hmm. for me. Um, I, I mean, I definitely learned a lot. I didn't know all uh, about your time in Mississippi. I, I feel like I've heard like good snippets uh, yeah. about Lennon's life over a time together. <laughs> over a course of concert. Over, yeah, <laughs> just whispering <laughs> over the music. Um, 
But yeah, the time in Mississippi, like going and doing Teach for America, I didn't know that you did that. I think that's the coolest. I love that. That's, that's mine. Uh, what's the name of that theater company again? The Delta Center Stage. I learned about the Delta Center Stage <laughs> and how they are, uh, they've got a new space and they're worthy of donations, I think, wouldn't you say? Yes. And worthy Absolutely. of support. Absolutely. Contact Tim Bixler. <laughs> Um, you can also donate to the TFA Mississippi Corps. Uh, Ron Nurnberg is the guy that you want to get a hold of to do that. Right. And they span uh, east about an hour um, and also north up into Arkansas right. to Helena. Yeah, they might even be bigger than that now, but they really ser- do a, a great service down there. Um, what did I learn? Yeah, my... Uh, my parents just moved here from Georgia, and I'm sure they'll be listening to this. Uh, but I guess, I guess I really love the South, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great. That's perfect. I really love the South, and I not that I didn't know that, but I don't know. It feels like fabric. I'm sure it feels like that for you too, yeah. Joel. That it's like a, a piece of you that you know just is always there, and. It's a nostalgic thing, but it's also, uh, you know, for good or bad, when things happen in the South, you know, I feel connected to it in a different way, um, in that complicated way you were mentioning. Yeah. Check out Lennon Parham on the podcast Womp It Up on the Earwolf Network. New episodes every Tuesday. Playing House is available on demand or purchase on Amazon and iTunes. She also played Martha on the feature film The House. And of course, Lady Dynamite is on Netflix. You can find her at Twitter, at Lennon Parham, at L-E-N-N-O-N-P-A-R-H-A-M. Lennon, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, y'all. Thank you, Lennon. This is great. Thanks for listening to This Particular Album is Very, Very Important to Me. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at This Particular Album. Follow us on Twitter at Particular Album. This show is produced by Joel Spence, Deborah Tarika, Ryan Middledorf, and everyone at Campfire Media. Artwork by Anna Salinas. Music by me, Joel Spence. See you next time. Hey everyone, I'm Holly Laurent, and I have a new podcast called Mega. Each week, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Ross Kimball and Greg Hess. It's a fully improvised podcast existing in a fictional mega church called Twin Hills Community Church. Each week, we have a different comedian on playing a new character who works at the church. You can find us on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts, and I promise you, church is about to get a whole lot funnier. Campfire.